The Bible says that Jesus heals us spirit, soul, and body. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross didn't just uh, take care of our spirit so that we have eternal life, but I believe he's, He takes care of all of it. And I gave you a bunch of scriptures last week on God's willingness to heal you or to touch your body. Furthermore, each one of you, you have a soul, you have a mind, you have an intellect, you have emotions, you have thoughts, you have a past, right? You have memories. And those things can, they can be good memories and then a lot of it can be not so good memories. And uh, you can have emotional problems and scars and things that can hinder you from going forward. And uh, God, how many of y'all think Jesus takes care of those things too? He takes care of all of it. He does. You're a three-part being. He's a three-part God. And what He did on the cross takes care of all of it. So, but we're looking at physical healing, but, but any other type of healing as well. And I want to show you a couple more passages of Scripture. Last week, we just covered three things. The first one was is that He is, will, he is willing. And in your worship guide today, I gave you a first blank. Every week, I want to just go over a few verses that talk about the willingness of God to do this. Last week, I gave you the verse that says that He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement or the penalty, the payment for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes, we are healed. James says that, or third John verse 2 says that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you be in health and prosper, even as thy soul prospers. The Bible says that He forgives our iniquities and heals all. Everybody say all. 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 Our diseases, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit who went about healing all, everybody say all, all who were oppressed of the devil. So the devil's messing a bunch of stuff up. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit to go undo some things. And again, he didn't just minister to people that physically needed problems. Uh, he, he, he dealt with demons. Right? He dealt with spiritual problems. He cast the devil out of some people. Right? He raised some people from the dead. I mean, but he went, he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And then I gave you in Exodus chapter 15, it says that he told Moses, he says, tell the people that I am the Lord that healeth them tell them that I am Jehovah Rapha, which means Jehovah healer. That's one of the DNA or the characters of God. He is a healer. And, and in other words, he can't not heal. It's just the way he is a healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. It's part of his DNA. And so I want to look, I just want to read, I told you that at the beginning of the, the message that I wanted to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I just want to read about the blessing of the Lord. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I know, you, I, know uh, I told you that there's two passages, but I want to read this to you uh, before we get into Mark 11 and Luke 17. That This is Deuteronomy chapter 28, and some of you may be familiar with this, but this is just a blessing that God uh, had, uh, had the man of God speak over His people. In verse number 1 it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God, carefully follow all His commandments I give you today, the Lord God will set you on high upon all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb or your kids will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in, and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you one way, 
but flee from you in seven. Say amen to that. It says, The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and upon everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He's giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you an oath. If you keep the commandments of your Lord, your God, and walk in obedience to Him, all the people of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. And the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land He swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of His bounty. He will send rain on your land in season, and bless all the work of your hands. Well, it just keeps getting better and better, don't it? Says the Lord, will, uh, you will lend to many nations, but not borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you'll always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commandments I give you today, to the right or to the left following other gods and serving them. Great passage of Scripture, and I know people say, yeah, but that's, that's Old Testament and, and all that. But, but I love the Old Testament because the Old Testament, it shows us the willingness of God to bless His people. It shows the willingness of what God really wanted. If you look back in Genesis, the way that God communicated with Adam and Eve and the way that He set them up for success. I mean, I think He set them up for success. I mean, my goodness. He said, the earth... It's yours. Well, that's pretty good. right? Take dominion. Be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue it. He says, I'm giving you this. He says, the gold of Orpha is over here. He says, the river is here. He says, this is it. He says, you have everything, but this part, this part of it is mine. But God really set him up for success. The Bible says that God walked with Adam and that they communicated. There was no barriers, very free-flowing communication with God. So the Old Testament shows us God's original design and it shows us that He wants us to be blessed. And He wants to generationally, He even says, He says, the fruit of your womb, your kids will be blessed. So this is something that I walk around my house saying, my kids are blessed. Fruit of my womb is blessed. Right? My, 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 brass, my basket, my, my storehouse, right? And I know that we don't have some of these things, right? Probably you don't have a bread basket, right? You may not have a barn. He says your barn will be filled with plenty, right? But what you do have, I call my house blessed. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of God, uh, considering the alternative, I'm not going to walk around and say that I'm not blessed, Right, I'm going to walk around and say, God, that you're, you're, you're the strength of my life. You're the strength of my body. You're the strength of the marrow of my bones. You're the strength of my life. God, thank you for your blessing. So everybody say, God is. He's willing. God's willing. God's willing. God's willing. God's willing. It's impossible for us to go any further until you start to let this become a bedrock of your soul. God's willing. God's willing. God's willing. God's willing. But a lot of times, uh, we get in the way. How many of y'all know what I mean by that? A lot of times, we get in the way. How many of you ever watered your garden and something gets in the way and your hose gets kinked? Isn't that frustrating? You know the water's on, right? You know the water's on. And it, for some reason, the, the, one little, the one little thing gets caught on something, right? And you got to go and you got you to unkink the hose. Uh, we have in my house... 
uh, we have two sinks in our bathroom. Now our last house, the last couple houses we had, we just we shared a sink. I mean, I know that's that's just a recipe for disaster. It's just horrible. It's just, I mean, you're just cruising for a bruise. And listen, just take out a loan. Get you another sink, brother. I'm telling you, just get, get you another sink. The best thing you ever do, just go ahead and get you another one. I thought that was the best thing that you could ever do. But, uh, so anyway, so whenever you walk into my bathroom, you have his, it's called his and her sinks. His and her sinks. Uh, the problem is, is my wife has long hair. My daughter has uh, long hair. So they always clog their sink up. Anybody else kind of get? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? So whenever she's washing uh, her face every night, apparently you have to wash your face before you go to bed. <laughs> only girls do that. Just, just saying, only girls do that. <laughs> we fall asleep where we fall. Uh, <laughs> but she's got to do prep, you know, like mealtime prep uh, or sleeping prep, whatever. Uh, so, but so she she clogs up her sink. So now what I've caught her doing is she uses my sink. It ain't his and her, baby. It's hers and hers. It's her. You're renting. That's all you're doing. You're renting just to get over it. You know, so I thought, well, his and hers is going to solve the problem. It ain't. It ain't. She's taking over. Uh, but so now her sink, it holds, it holds water. You know, so now her and Ansley are at my sink, and they're clogging mine up. But she bought me uh, one of these. I don't know if y'all have seen these. Has anybody seen these things right here? They're a lot of fun. So you take this thing. So she bought me this the other day, and she says, here, I got you these. Uh, I was like, well, I don't want that. It's not Father's Day. Don't bless me yet. Uh, so she says, no, I got you, I got you this. So the, the idea is, is for you to stick this down the drain. So I tried it, and it works. It's quite disgusting, but it does work because you bring up, I'm not even going to tell you what all you bring up, but you can imagine it's just a year accumulation of whatever. There's some mascara in there, and there's whatever, whatever you wash off, ladies. Uh, so the idea, though, is for you to ram this thing down in there, and then whenever you pull it up, of course, it's, it's gooped up with, with any number of things. But until you do that, you're basically stuck with, uh, there, there's a bowl that, 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 that is designed, engineers designed it, so that you turn the water on, the, the water goes down the bowl, and it goes out of the pipes, right? But, but things get clogged up. I mean, it's just, it's just part of life. And whenever it comes to receiving from God, there's just a lot of times where we get clogged up, we get backed up, and we get things that are, that are hindering us from really receiving what God has for us. I love Lillian B. Yeomans, if you know who that is. Uh, she's a medical doctor who got saved, started serving Jesus. But years ago, she says, uh, it seems that there's an, uh, an invisible reservoir of God. That, that can be tapped by obeying certain spiritual laws. It seems that there's a reservoir of God. He's just a container. If you've ever been to a reservoir, or skied on a reservoir, or been to the Hoover Dam, that it seems that there's this reservoir of God that, that can be tapped, that can be tapped, that, that we can tap in to the presence of God, not just for uh, the sake of going to heaven, but how many of y'all know life on earth can be long? It can be long, but it can be a lot better if you can tap into God's presence. If you can tap into His grace, if you can tap into His peace when there's things 
that, that are not peaceful. He says there is a peace that passes understanding. In other words, it goes beyond what you could naturally uh, understand. There is a blessing that goes beyond just money or just finances, right? There's a blessing. There's a protection from the, the, the angels of God and the blood of Jesus that goes beyond just your concealed carry. Right? There, there are these things. There's an invisible reservoir that, that we can tap. But, but sometimes uh, uh, the, it, it's, not, it's not that God's not holding anything for us. We just get clogged up. We, we get backed up. So I want to I un, unclog some things because uh, we saw last week God's willing. But now we've got to deal with ourselves and say, God, is there anything in me that's keeping these things from flowing into my life. So if you got your Bible, two passages I want to give you this morning, then I'll let you go. It's in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Mark 11, this is a, oh my gosh, we could, we could, we could do a whole uh, a year series just on this one verse because this is Jesus teaching His disciples how to receive. This is Jesus teaching His disciples how, how, to, how to take some ground and how to be effective and how to be awesome. He's teaching them how the kingdom of God works how he works, what pleases him. He's, man, it's a great verse. In Mark 11, chapter 23, he says, Have faith in God. Jesus answered and he said to them, he's teaching them. He's teaching them. Jesus didn't just go around healing, he went around teaching. Why? Because he knew whenever I'm gone, I need you to be able to function like I'm still here. Because I'm leaving. But I need you to live in such a way it's like I'm still here. So I've got to teach you. So he's teaching. He's always teaching. This is the way the kingdom of God works. This is how you access my power. This is how you access things. So he tells them, he says in verse 22, he says, Jesus answered unto them, he said, have faith in God. Come on, concerning your healing, have what? Have faith in God. You can end a lot of conversations with that. With that. You know, that's what my pastor always says. He said, you can end a lot of conversations. People come up to you complaining. You just tell them, have faith in God. And they keep talking. You just say, have faith. In God. They still want us. Just have faith in God. You end a lot of conversations. Have faith in God. Jesus says, have faith in God. Now watch this. He says, for surely I say unto you, that whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Well, we could camp out there for a while. And I'm tempted to, but I just can't. I'm not going to. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Everybody say whatever. whatever. Man. Everybody say whoever. whoever. Aren't you glad he takes the limits off? Yep. Red, yellow, black, white. Year 17 or the year 2017. It don't matter. He says, whoever. Whoever. Have faith in God. Whoever shall say unto this mountain. I mean, I'm glad he didn't pick something small. He didn't he pick something that, that they could see that was gargantuan and that's impossible to move outside of God moving it. I mean, just if you go to uh, Nevada or somewhere, I mean, I've ridden through those roads where they've excavated just a chunk out of the mountain so that you aren't going like this. They just take dynamite and they blow sections of that mountain out of the way so that you can, so that you can go through that. So to move a mountain is pretty significant, and yet God said, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Whew, man, we could stay there for a while. 
But the next part that I want to give you is, he says, and whenever you stand praying, after he just made this profound faith statement, he says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Everybody say forgive. After this profound statement that you can move mountains with your faith in God, the very next verse, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. But he says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. That word aught just means any little thing, even the little things. If you have aught against any. So in other words, the number one hindrance to your faith moving mountains out of your life is unforgiveness. The number, one, the number one hindrance to your faith, whatever your mountain is, it doesn't matter what your mountain is, pick a mountain, right? Some of us live amongst a range, right? It's like step out on the back porch, it's just like a mountain range. Well, the hindrance to you moving those, those mountains out of your life, the number one hindrance, he says here, is, is unforgiveness. He says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. And he says, he says, and whenever, uh, and he says, your Father in heaven will also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. One of the greatest passages of Scripture on how to access God's power, and yet it ends kind of glo- kind of gloomy, right? Because he says, if you can't conquer this, number one, the, the mountains won't move out of your life. You won't make any traction in your life. You'll have to deal with unforgiveness. But he says, furthermore, he says, God won't even forgive you. If you can't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. So I want to look at this subject of unforgiveness and how we can deal with it in our heart and in our life so that we can unclog unclog the drains. And usually there's three people we need to forgive. And uh, 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 the number one is usually ourself. I mean, you've got to forgive yourself. There's a verse that says, if our heart does not condemn us, then we can receive from God. What does that mean? That means a lot of people, they, they can't receive from God because the heart condemns them. In other words, they won't even go into God's presence because their heart condemns them. They feel like, I'm not good enough. I don't qualify. I'm not worthy. What I did was too bad. I mean, I... I mean, I've ever been there before. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get in God's presence because I've been too naughty. I've, I've gone too far. I've done too much. And because your heart condemns you, then you can't receive. There's an invisible reservoir that can be tapped. And yet when your heart condemns you, whenever you don't, for, you don't have forgiveness for yourself, then, then it's a problem that clocks and things up. Or you could, you could have unforgiveness towards God. How I many of y'all got mad at God? How I many of y'all know He can take it? Aren't you glad our God can take it? He can take it. You can talk to him. You can, you can, you can get mad at him. You say, God, I don't understand. God, that this, God, you said that, that, that you are the Lord that healeth us, but, but my mom died or my grandma died or I prayed for that person and they didn't get better. And God, this happened to me and my husband left me and I've been abandoned and my daddy, he, he molested me and all of these things happened to me. God, God, I, I, I'm having a hard time with it. How I many y'all know we got to deal with it? Why? Because there's mountains that God says that you can move. There's an invisible reservoir of Him that we can tap into. And then the other one that, that we all understand is you got to forgive people. You got to. He says if you have aught against any, if you have any little things, He says when you stand praying, 
In other words, how many of y'all know you don't have to grovel about it? You don't have to crawl around on your hands and knees. He says, no, the moment while you're standing there, you decide, I'm going to release them. I'm going to let this go. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I choose to forgive. It's an act of faith. I choose to forgive. Then, then he says, then you qualify. So the next verse I want to give you is because Jesus brings this up over and over and over again. Why would he bring something up over and over and over again? It's important and it's something that we deal with, right? It's something that we're always dealing with. So if you look in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is going to help us deal with it. And while you're turning there or turning your Bible or however you want to do it, I'll give you another verse. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gave this illustration. He says, why do you look at the speck in another man's eye? Have you ever done that before? He says, without considering the beam in your own eye. Don't you love Jesus? I just like he shoots straight with you, don't he? He says, why are you considering? He says, you're looking at the speck in somebody else's eye. But he says, the real problem with you is you have a beam in your own eye. He says, you need to worry about the beam in, in your own eye and not necessarily the speck in the other eye. But I want to give you this in, in the 17th chapter of Luke. Jesus, he's, he's going to talk to his disciples again. He's teaching them. Luke chapter 17, he said to his disciples, verse number one, he says, it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. In other words, in this life, people are going to offend you. In this life, people are going to disappoint you. In this life, people are going to hurt you. And sometimes it's the people that are closest to you. It may be a spouse. It may be a parent, somebody that you trust. Many times it's somebody in ministry, somebody, my pastor did this, or this person uh, over, oversteps some lines, people in authority. He says it's impossible for you to go through life and not be offended. You're going to have offenses. But he says, but woe to him through which they come. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and to be thrown into the sea that then he should offend one of my little ones. Take heed to yourselves. In other words, you can't control everything, but He's wanting you to control yourself. How many of y'all know that's a full-time project? How many of y'all know that's full-time? Full-time right there. It's going to take you a solid 40 a week right there. Solid 40 a week. Can't control everybody. You're going to get offended. But He said, you'll have to take heed to yourself. You'll have to watch yourself because there's an invisible reservoir. And it's, it's something that I have for you. He says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, for, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. NIV says you must forgive him. I love this next part. It says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our what? How many of y'all feel them? Jesus, you're telling me that if seven times in a day a guy does the same thing over to me again, I've got, he says, you must. He says, if they come and they repent and they, and they ask for your forgiveness, you must forgive them. You have to forgive them. And now watch this. He's going to teach them how to do it, though. And this is the crux of my message, what I want to sh share with you this morning. Is if, you're, if you have problems forgiving you or forgiving a loved one or forgiving your, uh, 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 God, just things that didn't go the way that, that you want to, there's a root there that God wants to deal with. And you'll have to get it out so that you can, you can go further. People come uh, in, in church. They get hurt in church. But there's times you, you have to deal with that root. So Jesus teaches His disciples. He says, take heed 
Take heed. Take heed just means take this serious. You'll have to deal with this. This is going to hinder you. If you don't fix it, it's going to be a problem. I want you to move mountains, but you'll have to deal with this. He says, take heed. He says, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say unto this mulberry tree, be pulled up by its roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, I want to look at a couple things here. Uh, and uh, Jesus here, he says, he says, first thing he says, if you'll say to this mulberry tree. Now, some translations call it a sycamine tree. Sycamine. I'm sycamine. Uh, I'm sick of you. Uh, I'm sick of you too. Have you ever had that conversation before? Well, I'm sick of your this. I'm sick of your that. And she said, you better deal with that sycamine. You better, you better, you better deal with it. You better deal with your sick of yours and sycamine. You better, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with this. And he said the way that you deal with it, says you have to speak to it. You have to command it to be plucked up and be cast into the sea. But there's a, there's a book that Rick Renner did, and Rick Renner is a Greek scholar, and I'm going to read some of it just for the sake of time, uh, about why God used, why Jesus used the mulberry tree or the sycamine tree, that there's a specific reason why that tree was prevalent, and he could have used the olive. Wouldn't that be nice? That's a peaceful tree. Could have used the pomegranate tree. Could have used the fig tree. These are all trees that we see in Scripture. But this is one of the instances where he specifically used not such a good tree. And he says, you need to deal with this tree and it needs to be plucked up and it needs to be removed from your life. So in your worship guide, there's some things that I'll give you about this tree. And the first one is, is that it grows in dry places. Sycamine tree grows in dry places. Spiritually dry places. This is why it's important for us to be in the river of God. It's important for us to be in God's presence because this tree grows best in spiritually dry climates. Bitterness grows in dry climates. But naturally, this tree grows in very arid places. And it says it grows in places that, 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 that it needs deep water structure and it has a large root system that goes down deep into the earth. And actually says that whenever you cut that tree off, even though you cut it off at the top, if you don't take care of the root, what's it going to do? How many of y'all had that tree in your yard before? I mean, I had that sick of mine. I'm sick of this tree, right? He says, yeah, you have to pluck this thing up by the root. You'll have to take this bitterness and you'll have to rip it out. Or what you'll find is you just cut it off at the top by telling people, sorry. How many ever done that before? Sorry. How many of your kids ever say, sorry? You're like, say it like you mean it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they didn't really say it like they mean it, right? They're just, they're just trying to get you to move off of the subject, right? God says this, you'll have to you'll have to you'll have to take this thing up from uh, from its root. It says Jesus began to teach his disciples about speaking to bitterness and unforgiveness, and he said the sycamine tree was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all the trees in the Middle East. It was vigorous and a robust tree that grew to a height of thirty feet, and because its roots went down deep, it's very difficult to kill. Even cutting it to the ground, it would come back. And it grew easily in every environment, and so does bitterness. It doesn't matter where people are from or where they live or what kind of cultural background they grow up in or what level of society they belong to. Bitterness and unforgiveness grow in human hearts everywhere. So it grows best in dry conditions. The next one is, is he says, the sycamine tree produced bitter fruit eaten by poor people. 
Most people who are bitter are filled with unforgiveness. They chew on their feelings for a long time. They nibble on bitterness for a while, and then they pause to digest what they've eaten. And then after they've reflected deeply on their offense, they return to the memory table and start nibbling on bitterness again. And they take one little bite, and then another bite, and then another. And as they continue to think and meditate on their offense, they internalize their bitter feelings toward those who have offended them. And in the end, their perpetual nibbling on the poisonous fruit of bitterness makes them bitter, sour people themselves. And he says the primary consumers of sycamine people were poor people. They would sit around and constantly eat or nibble on these fruits. And he said much the way people that are bitter, they meditate on every wrong that's ever been done to them. And they're usually bound with all kinds of poverty. Their bitter attitude makes them spiritually poor. And it also they're frequently defeated, depressed, sick, and financially poor as well. The next one is, so it's eaten, eaten by poor people and it's bitter. The next one is it's pollinated by a wasp. Really interesting. It says it's interesting to note that a sycamine tree is not naturally pollinated. The pollination process was initiated when a wasp stuck its stinger right into the fruit. And it's likely that people that make that there, there are people that make statements that say, I've been stung by a situation. And these are people that the devil especially likes, and he devises ways to pollinate their hearts and souls with bitterness and unforgiveness. Right? They say, I'm not I'm, you hurt me once, you hurt me again. I'll never let a man do that to me again. I'll never let my mom, I'll never trust this person. I'll never do that. I'll never, I'll never do this. And they, they why wow, they've been stung. They've been stung. And that, and then it multiplies, right? That's, that's how, that's how it pollinates. That's how it grows. So it's pollinated by wasp. And then the next one says, it was the preferred wood for building caskets. Back then, that's what they would build caskets out of was the sycamine tree. He says they would build them because they're prevalent. They were everywhere. They grew fast and they were easy to harvest. He says they were the preferred wood for building caskets. He says harboring bitterness will spiritually bury you more quickly than anything else. So Jesus, he said, he said that you'll have to deal with this. He says you'll have to deal with this or you'll be spiritually dry. You won't, you, won't, you, won't, you won't move on with God. So he says that you have to pluck this thing up. So the last few minutes is, well, how do we deal with it? How do we, and maybe you're here, you say, listen, I love everybody. I'm pretty easygoing, right? And I, that would be me if I was going you know, to describe myself. Listen, I'm pretty easygoing. But we tell ourselves that, but then sometimes whenever somebody crosses you, it doesn't come out that way. Right? It doesn't come out how easygoing you are or how, how laid back you are. How many of y'all ever had a fit of carnality? How many of y'all ever had a, how many of y'all had an episode before to where uh, your true colors come shining through? See your true colors. Yes. Thank you, Nova. Uh, so we can say, well, we're laid back, stuff like this. Yeah, but this is something that, that will always, we all, there's always offenses. It's impossible to live. Uh, without these things coming to us, but God wants to get some stuff to us. So Jesus said the, the, the way that you deal with it is by faith. So I gave you three, three, three things there. It says that you have to do it by decision. First blank is by decision. In other words, you have to make a choice to do it. I read a story this week of, of Corey Ten Boom, which you don't know if you don't know who that is. She, uh, her and her family hid 
uh, Jews during the Holocaust in their home, and they they had uh, uh, they built a, a room in secret tunnels and stuff under their house. Well, finally she got caught. Her and her family got caught. They put her in concentration camps, and they murdered many of her family members. And uh, she went through the 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 where they uh, would for weeks. They just give them one piece of bread, and people would fight over that bread. Just horrible. A horrible situation, but after World War II, she she went all over the globe telling her story. And but she was right after World War II, she was uh, she was speaking, and two uh, German soldiers walked up to her and said, "Will you forgive me?" And they stuck out her hand, and of course she says, "With everything in me, you can imagine," because they were responsible for for torturing her and six million people, six million Jews, gassing and just horrible atrocities, torturing these people. And, but she asked Jesus, she said, Jesus, help me if I can just raise my hand. If I could just raise my hand. So he stuck out his hand and she says, but the moment I, rose my, I raised my hand and I grabbed his hand, she says, I was flooded with compassion. I was just flooded with compassion for these individuals. And she said, I forgave him and I was able to move on. So it takes, but it takes faith, right? It takes, it, it takes faith sometimes just to stick out your hand, to send a text, to write a letter. It takes, te- it takes faith. I remember whenever my wife first got, uh, got saved, uh, I don't know where she heard it, but she, she just had, she just felt like she needed to do this. So she sat down and wrote letters to these girls in high school that she was mean to. Girls do this apparently. Boys, we don't have these problems. <laughs> Us boys. We're pretty. We don't have to worry about these things. But apparently, uh, apparently, uh, there were girls that, that she would pick on, that she would mess with. So she had, she sat down and she found them and she she wrote letters. This was before Facebook, believe it or not. But then there were uh, there were other people that uh, that had made her that had that she was holding unforgiveness towards that 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 had done things to her. So she had to sit down and write another group of letters. To, un, to, to, to just unforgive. Jesus said, he says, out of, out of your mouth, he says, you bless me, but then you curse those that I died for. Can bitter water and sweet water come out of the same well? He says, no, it cannot, and this should not be so. So it takes faith. So you have to do it by decisions, your first blank. The second one's by faith, and then the third one is by action. Jesus, over and over and over, he asked me, he said, by faith. He said, if you have a faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say unto this sycamine tree, be plucked up and be removed. So, but it takes faith. Sometimes you have to, faith is just doing it without feeling it. How many ever done something in faith before? Faith, faith just means, how many of ever not, I don't feel like forgiving you. I want to bite you. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't like you. I don't, I don't care about you at all. But, but many times it's stepping out, saying, God, by faith, I step out. And I don't feel it. But God, I need to do this. God, that there's an invisible reservoir that you have for me. And God, I understand that, and I don't want to. I don't want to hinder what, what you have for me. Last verse I want to give you, because uh, this is a hindrance, and this is not the only hindrance to to receiving from God. If you look in Hebrews chapter twelve, and I don't have time to go through all of these, but these are things that that clog things up. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse number fourteen. God says, "Make every effort." Everybody say every effort. Take heed to yourself. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. You have to work at this. You make the effort to live in peace. Be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root 
grows up to cause what? Cause trouble. So you got to watch out. He said, you let bitterness get in. I mean, you know, bitterness was really the, the original sin. We, we think where well, we say that pride was the original sin, that, that the devil, he, he was full of pride. Yeah, but he thought God was shorting him. God's shorting me. Bitterness took root in Lucifer's heart, and he stepped out and tried to mess things up. He came and he sowed bitterness into Eve's heart. He said, Eve, God didn't say that. God doesn't want you to do this. And she, he made her think that God was trying to short her, trying to keep something away from her. Bitterness settled in her heart. Bitterness, it, it's the root. All, all the other trees grow out of the root of bitterness. And he says it'll cause trouble, defile you. He says, see to it that no one that's sexually immoral or godless like Esau, he who for a single meal, he sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Really good. Even though he sought the blessing with tears. How many ever begged God for something? You just weep and beg and, and, and God says, I'm not trying to keep anything from you. There's an invisible reservoir of me. But there's things that, that, that clog it up. And he says, even though he, he, he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change it. He couldn't tap into it. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't fix it. I mean, I know that's why we have these hose-off sessions. Come on, start the whole thing. It said, I feel like the Lord wants to wash some things off. God wants to wash some things out of our eyes so that we don't just see the, 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 the speck in other people's eyes. God wants to wash some unforgiveness. Come on, I, I, there's a lot of things that have not happened to me. I don't know. I was never abused as a kid. Right? I, I don't know how to deal with that. You know, I, I never watched my parents beat on each other, stuff like that. I mean, I know people see some hard things. People see some evil things. People see some nasty things. And uh, people, in, in, uh, even in law enforcement, you see some sides of people that you think, there, there must not be a God. Because how could these things happen? How, how, how do I deal with these things? Listen, we got to come. And the Bible says that we get washed by the water of the Word. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says whenever we come and we get in His presence, He washes, He cleans some things off of us and out of us. Why? Because He wants to get some stuff to us. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you.